titles in the church, and when I did my PowerPoint and sent it to Penny, it was funny. She 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 texts back to Mary and she said, "Idols in the church." <laughs> like, oh, how would that be? And I think it's something we just really, really important for us to look at and uh, to consider to prevent that fact. But I want to start with looking at Second Kings, the eighteenth chapter. In 2 Kings, the 18th chapter, beginning at the first verse, it says, Now it came about, it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, and the daughter, the daughter of Zechariah, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars. He cut down the wooden image and broke to pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Yehushten. So here's kind of the the picture. You know, um, Hezekiah, he's the king. He's the son of David. And he's the king of Judah. And it says that he did right. He did the right things in God's sight. He did, he did what was right. And it said one of the things he did was he, he went to the high places and he broke down sacred pillars. High places were actually places that were a little elevated above the other terrain. Um, it set them apart. Um, it set them up a little bit. They were high places. And at these high places, they, they built places to worship. <clears throat> and what had happened was they built this place to worship various idols. Now, throughout Israel's history, um, there was times when, for various reasons, sometimes, sometimes some of the kings would build idols for their foreign wives because they uh, wanted to appease them, and I'm sure these women had some power. And so they said, hey, you need a place for me to go worship. And so they would actually make a place so their wives could go worship these idols. And so Hezekiah comes along. He knows about these high places, these places where they worship. And it says that the, one of the things that they worship was a bronze serpent. And in, in this high place was a bronze serpent. And then Hezekiah, it says he he tore that down, and he broke into pieces the bronze servant, serpent. Now, what was the bronze serpent? Well, let's go back to Numbers, the 21st chapter. In Numbers, the 21st chapter, the 6th verse, the children of Israel had uh, various um, ailments that God had put on them. And so in, um, in verse 21, 6, the Lord sent fiery serpents to he was mad at the children of Israel at this time among the people, and they bit the people. And many of the children of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses, and they said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord, he takes away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, and he put it on a pole, and so it was, if a, serpent, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So here's the deal. They're being afflicted, 
They're being punished, and, and people are dying. And, you know, Moses says, Lord, do something. So the Lord said, okay, make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And when you get bitten, if you look at the pole, you'll live. Now, don't you think that pole was pretty important? Don't you think those people said, wow, that is really an important pole. That pole represents God helping us and being with us. And actually, when we look at it, something happens. So they were pretty, pretty excited about the pole. I'm sure they were happy with the pole. I'm sure they looked at the pole as a source of the healing they needed. And as a sideline of that, do you know what the, medicals, uh, what the medical symbol is to this day in, in the medical field? It's a serpent on a pole. So the people were pretty excited about this. So I'm sure somebody said, hey, when we go somewhere, when we do something, what do you do? You make sure you take the pole and the serpent, you know, because you never know. Maybe somebody said, you never know. You might need it again sometime. And so they kept it with them. And over a period of time, they, they had this pole that they carried around. And what we find was that this pole had great meaning to them. And actually, I want you to look at John, the third chapter. In John, the third chapter, the 14th verse, Jesus says, As as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus says, that he needed to be lifted up just like the serpent was lifted up by Moses. So Jesus placed some important significance that, you know, as they lifted up and looked to that serpent and were healed, that that was a representation of Jesus as people looked to him. It says now that they would be saved. So, you know, it's a fairly important poll. And it has great significance. But what happened? What happened? Well, over a, people, over a period of time, this pole with this serpent on it, it says that they begin to burn incense to it. They begin to burn incense to it. What does that mean? They begin to worship the pole. They begin to worship the serpent, that bronze serpent on a pole. They begin to worship it for, for what it had meant to them and passed down through the generations. I'm sure, you know, it's kind of a big deal. And it passed down. And they actually, it says, you know, that it, they went up to the high places. So they put this pole somewhere where they actually worship it. Hezekiah realized, because the Bible says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, he realized what these people were doing. He says, these people are now worshiping that serpent and pole more than worshiping God. They're worshiping him. And so Hezekiah went up and tore it down. Doesn't say how popular he was for it. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I can imagine some people weren't happy. You know, some people, especially the ones that worshipped it. I mean, if they were worshipping that pole, it had great significance to them. People were thinking that pole was going to do something. And so, all of a sudden now, Hezekiah comes and he tears that down. And I want to I take a look today at thinking about that, that there's things in our life that maybe aren't bad things, or in the life of the church that aren't bad things. But if we're not careful, we can't set them up as poles and things to worship. 
We have to be careful that we don't start looking at something that God has done and worshiping that. Three things I want to look at this morning. Number one, we can't worship the past. What God did and used in the past cannot be turned into an idol. Whatever God has done or used in the past cannot be turned into an idol. You know, what we tend to do is if it worked once, we think then it's got to work twice. If God used something in the past, whether it's in our lives personally or in the church, we have to be careful not to say, well, that's something that we're going to idolize. That's something we're going to hold dear. That's something you can never let go of. And it's sometimes very difficult because, you know, we can learn from our past, and I think we look at our past, but we've got to be careful that we don't worship the past. Anything that keeps us from seeking the Lord now, anything that keeps us from seeking Him and putting Him first, anything that might get in our way, and, you know, there's, there's lots of things that can, can happen that get in our way. Nothing, nothing can replace that. Nothing can replace that. You know, the past is always interesting. I, Mary and I, when we went down south and we, we traveled to that church down there in uh, southern Indiana, and, you know, the church is 100 and, I don't know, 1868. I don't know, it's pretty old. And, uh, you know, and they, they told us a story about those folks had to travel we, we did it an hour in a car, but they had to take a wagon and a horse and go to Cincinnati and pick up a stained glass window. Every family had to, was responsible for one stained glass window. They went to Cincinnati, put the window in a buckboard wagon and put sawdust all around it so it wouldn't break and drove it back to that church. What happens sometimes is, as I've noticed, you know, that makes that window pretty special. That make you know that, that's us you know somebody worked hard and did made a lot of effort to bring that window back. I was in a church one time when you know the church decided they wanted to add on and the, they had beautiful stained glass windows and families had their names inscribed on the window. You know that kind of gives you ownership. I don't know if you knew that or not. That's what that's all about. It's supposedly to honor, but it gives you ownership. And so when the church decided that it was growing so much that they needed to add on, the dilemma was that they were going to take out a couple of stained glass windows. Whose are they going to take out? What family is going to give up their window? Well, I mean, there wasn't much choice to it because the building was going to go here. And so, you know, and so somebody lost their stained glass window. They kept it. They put it in storage somewhere. And I assume it's still there. I don't know. But, um, you know, somebody lost their stained glass window. As from my recollection, our family was involved, I think. I think it was ours, which makes it even worse. (laughs) But, you know, we have to be very careful that those things of the past, you know, it's okay to remember the past. It's okay to honor people from the past. But we cannot hold it so dear and worship something from the past that we can't let God do what he wants to do now. And it's a test of of what we believe sometimes. It's a test of what what we hold dear. You know, and that's why 
in the past, I just did never wanted somebody to put a name on something in the church. You know, I don't, I don't, I just not in favor of putting your name on something. You can donate, you can give, but I don't know that your name should be on it. Because once your name's on it, there's an ownership that takes place. There's something that starts to happen that, that you know, it becomes mine. And I'm not saying it's an idol necessarily, but, you know, those are the things I think we have to be very careful of, that we don't put them before the Lord. And I use the word idol probably pretty loosely because I think when we put anything before the Lord, you could determine that it's an idol. You know, when, we, when anything comes between us and him. Another thing we have to be very careful of is we don't worship the place. In 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, the 16th verse. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, the 16th verse says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. And back in John, the fourth chapter, Jesus, he's talking to the woman at the well. And in John 4, 19, the one woman said to Jesus, I perceive you're a prophet. She said, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you, you say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming, coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You know, Jesus says, you know, they say worship here, worship here. He says, you just need to worship in spirit and truth. And then we're told in Corinthians, where's the temple? It says, you are the temple. You are the temple. It's not a place. It's not a place. It's people. God dwells in people. Does God dwell in buildings? No. I don't think he does. I think God comes when God's people are here. Because we are the temple. The Spirit of God dwells in us. So when we arrive, God is here because his people are here. I'm convinced when we leave, it's a building. It's a building. And God dwells within a people. He dwells in people. Now, sometimes I think buildings can seem like they have atmosphere. I don't know if that's the right word. But I think buildings have atmosphere because of people, not because they're a building. Okay? So we have to be very careful that we don't worship the place. That we don't worship the place. Maybe it's good for us. You know, people ask me, well, how long are we going to be here? I don't know. I don't know. Seems kind of good. Seems kind of good. Right now, seems good. I don't see anywhere else to go. You know? I mean, you know, you can want to go, but if there's nowhere to go, I don't know how you're going to go. You know? And I just say, right now, it seems good. It seems good. Because it's not about the place. It's not about the place. And so we have to remind ourselves that we don't make choices based on the place. You know, that we don't worship the place. 
you know, sometimes, sometimes we do a lot, you know, and if, you know, I know for some people, and I'll just, I'll just say this, you know, for some, some more than others, but, you know, if you worked a lot in the old, you know, back at church, the Good Shepherd, if you worked a lot, put a lot of effort into that, part of the hard part was leaving was thinking about all the work you put into it. I did all this work, and now, let me tell you something, folks. If you did it for you, you got a problem. If you didn't do it as unto the Lord, it's going to be a struggle. But I want to tell you something. When you do it as unto the Lord, it's not yours. It's not yours. It's his. And so it's not about a place. Once you give to God and his kingdom, it's his. You can't, you can't, well, you can, but I'm telling you we shouldn't give to God and then say, well, I want to keep ownership to this. Here, God, I'll give you this, but I, um, could I be in charge of it now? You know, can I now dictate how you use this and what you do with it and, and all this and that? You know, no, it's not yours. Once you give it to the Lord, it's his. And the Bible, we, what we do, we're supposed to do unto the Lord. And so it's not ours. And we have to be very careful that we don't start worshiping the place. You know, that you don't worship the place because it's not about a place. You know, it's about a people. Because God dwells in his people. And his spirit dwells in people. And it's a living relationship. Jesus says, you know, true worshipers worship me in spirit and in truth. So that's what we need to remember. Otherwise, we begin to turn the place into some kind of a maybe idol. More than it's meant to be. More than it's meant to be. Did you ever know you had things in life that, you know, you said, well, these things aren't really important. And you said, well, these things, you know, don't really matter. You know, those are easy words until you have to give them up. And I believe every once in a while God might test us in areas and say, well, is that really true? Is that really true? Am I really first? Do you really worship me and not the place? Not the place. The other thing we have to be careful of, the other P that I want to talk about today, is we can't worship the program or the method. We can't worship the program or the method. Turn to Philippians, the third chapter. Philippians, the third chapter, the 13th verse. Paul says, brethren, I don't count myself to apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reach, reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things that are behind. You know, Paul, he could have been relating to his sinful life. You know, things that are behind. But I believe as Christians, we have to be careful about the past. We, we remember our past. We learn from our past. We learn from the past of others. We learn from history. But I believe there's times when we have to put it behind us. I believe sometimes we have to forget about past successes. Successes, what the Holy Spirit did in the past. What the Holy Spirit did in the past does not mean the Holy Spirit will do it that way in the future. 
The only things that Matt, the only things it means is the Holy Spirit worked in the past and he'll still work in the future. But he does not have to do it the same way. And actually, most of the time, he won't. He won't. You know, and what we tend to do is if something worked once, we want to do it twice. And there may be things that work once, you can do them and work twice, and they work. You might do them three, four, five times. You might do them ten times. But there might come a day when it won't work. Or there might come a day when you need to let it go. They need to let it go. There might be a new way. There might be something now that's a different way. That God wants to do something different. And so it's hard for us to let go of successes. Well, it worked before. It was good then. You know, one of the things that I, when I first started being a pastor, I, I was a little more serious about it than I am now. But when I first became a pastor, I threw away every sermon after I was done with them. My, my feeling was if God gave it to me once, he can give it to me again. I just threw them away. As I got older and a little more time, I realized, well, there's a lot of scriptures I looked up that probably still pertain. So, you know, there's references there that I wouldn't have to look up again. So, you know, sometimes I've kept them, but I very seldom look at them. At least I've kept them, some of them. But, you know, the thought being, if God gave it to you once, why won't he give it to you again? Or if he gave it to you once, why won't he give it to you a little different? And if I look at it, and use it again. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying for me. If I look at it and say, well, that worked good. That worked good in, in 1989 or 1994. That was a really good one. I'll use that again. I don't think that's justification for using it again. Now, it may be the same message about the same topic. I understand that. But, you know, we have to be very careful that just because something worked once. Or maybe you're a teacher a teaching lessons. You know, because you had a really good lesson and a good series you taught, and you say, wow, I want to keep that because I'll use that again. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it won't apply. Maybe it'll be different this time. We have to be very careful. One of the things that right now that I'm really um, praying about, and I'll just share this, is I'm very, I was going to say intrigued. I guess that's an okay word. Intrigued by what God is doing on Wednesday. For those of you who don't come, which is fine, I'm not putting any guilt trip on anybody like you ought to be there. But I just want you to know, on Wednesdays, it's just very interesting to me. You know, number one, we're meeting in a barn. And you know, when, I, when we tell people we're meeting in a barn, right away I want to clarify it and say, oh, it's a really nice barn. <laughs> you know, Jesus was born in a manger, but hey, we're in a barn. But it's a nice barn, and it is a nice barn, you know. So I, I, I always tend to clarify that so I don't give, you know, people a bad impression because who would want to go if you say, our church meets on Wednesday nights in a barn? I mean, right away you go, really? But what I'm very intrigued with is people are coming. About every week I have to go buy more tables and more chairs. That's a good thing. What's really, really opening my eyes is people are coming from the community around the barn. People that don't go to church anywhere. And I'm thinking, wow, this is really good. 
That, I mean, for me, that's what we're after. That's what we want to do is touch people in, in the area that aren't, aren't going to church or don't know the Lord. So what I'm thinking is, do we have a second barn? I don't know the answer to that. Because it works there doesn't mean you can go somewhere else and do the exact same thing. Necessarily. But it might be worth a shot. (laughs) I'm open to, wow, what if we had another place to meet? What if we had another area that was further away from that and another place where you could meet that people would be willing to come? I think, what would it take? What would it take? I'm not sure. I'm just, I have more questions about that than I have answers. But I share that with you to pray. That, wow, look, look at how that's going. Now, it could be such a thing that's just unique to that setting. I don't know. It's possible. It's also possible that that might be a way for us to reach people that the church has never really looked at. And actually, other people do some things like that. We're not going to invent something. But it's just interesting to me. I encourage you to pray about that. Pray about that. You know, like, well, Lord, what would that look like? Or what, what could we do that might touch more people? In ways that we never, well, we've never, what's, what's the word in the church we always use? Well, we never done it that way before. Well, doesn't mean it doesn't, isn't something God would want to do. But to me, that's something to, to pray about and consider. Consider, you know. And maybe the second place would look different than the first place, by the way. It might be a whole different look. You, you can't say, well, it's got to be like this because this worked over here, so we got to do this and this and this. No, it might look different. It might, it might look altogether different. And so we just need to pray about that. We need to pray about that. You know, there's a couple things, one of them in the back of my, but I've, I've got some places I think we could start groups that are pretty, um, they're pretty far out. They're far out enough I won't even share it with you, but <laughs> I don't want to start some rumors. But, um, but I have some thoughts about some pretty interesting places, you know, that we ought to maybe consider and so if anything stirs inside of anybody, you know, I say all that maybe to partially stir you to pray. And if somebody stirs, I'm open to listen. I'm open to listen. Because we don't want to say that a program worked and so we got to just stay this way. And that's how we got to do it. Because we can't hold on to the past that way. And another thing about the past is we also have to be willing to let go of failures. You know, sometimes failures keep us from moving on. Well, that didn't work. So, well, can't do that. Well, we don't always know why things don't work. We don't always know what's happening. So we have to be very careful that we don't lock ourselves in and say, well, we can't do that because it failed. Don't know. Maybe we just need to try again. Try again. You know, there's there's another there's a story in the Old Test or in the New Testament in Acts, 
in Acts the 10th chapter. Now, I'll just look at this story as we close. And you think about having to let go of things and change how you think. We talked about it a little bit this morning, but in Acts 10, starting in verse 10, Peter, he became very hungry and wanted to eat. And while they were making food ready, he fell into a trance. And Peter saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners descended to him and let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Oh, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And Peter, a voice spoke to him again in the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now think about it. Peter goes into a trance, and he, start, he sees a big sheet. And in this sheet is all kinds of animals. And there were animals that they called unclean. And the Lord said, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter said, oh, Lord, I can't. I've, I've never, ever eaten anything unclean. Lord, we've never done it that way before. Lord, I mean, do you realize what a, what a thing that was to Peter to hear God clear enough to do that? To realize that God was speaking to him to do something that had never been done before? I mean, those are very challenging things when, when God would speak to some, some of us and maybe say, do this, to say, Lord, I've never done that before. Or Lord, I... I hold, I hold dear to this that I, I can't do that. I can't do that. But God spoke to him. And how many times did he do it? It said three times. I'm convinced that Peter probably, you know, if, if it had just been once, he'd go, I think it was, I was just hungry and I was thinking about it. I mean, I think three times it had to happen for him to go, okay, God, I think it's you. I'm convinced of that. Because this was a big deal. This was not a little deal. And then on down in verse 28, you know, um, this became a deal because Peter now, he goes and he, he has to convince the church that this is okay. And anyway, in, in verse 28, then he said to them, you know how it's unlawful for a Jewish man to keep company with one or to go to another nation? But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked them, for what reason have you sent for me? Because they, they want, like, what's going on? What's going on? You know, and he said, you know, God has shown me. God has shown me. God has shown me. We, we can't hang on to these things. We can't, we can't, we have to be careful. We have to be careful if we start to idolize something to a point that God can't work and show us that there might be a different way. Now, let me say this, and I'll just, we've been studying doctrine in Sunday school. You know, I'm not talking about a new way to believe. I'm not talking about, you know, a whole new belief system or changing God's word. I'm talking about how we do things. Okay? I'm talking about how we do things, the methods. You know, we have to be very careful not to say, well, that's not how it's been in the past. I believe God will prepare his church for the future if we'll listen. I believe he will prepare us for the future if we listen.
Because you know one thing I found? Things are always changing. Always changing. And I believe it's God's desire for the church to be on time for what God's doing in the future. I believe that what worked in the past won't necessarily work in the future. I believe things can change. Life can change around us. Things get different. Things that used to work won't work now. I believe the future. I, I, you know, everybody, I don't think anybody I talk to doesn't think that things are going to be changing. You know, I believe there's a certain amount of uncertainty amongst people right now. I believe there's a stir in people. It's like, I don't know what it is, but something's changing. And I believe God would have his people ready for whatever that is. If we listen, if we don't hold on to the past, we don't idolize something that prevents us from doing what God wants us to do. I don't know for sure what it is. I have thoughts once in a while, but, you know, I'm not ready to stand up and share my thoughts because they're thoughts. You know, but I believe we need to pay attention and be ready to do what it is God wants us to do. And a lot of times that's willing to let go of things. Hold things loosely. Don't grip them too tight. Don't hang on to them too tight. You know, that's what they want to do with that, that pole. I'm sure people had a fit when Hezekiah tore that thing down. I'm sure people were pretty upset. And I believe there was people who looked to that pole more than they were supposed to. They worshiped that pole. And it was tore down, gone. Because the Bible said Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So I just pray that we sometimes look at our own lives. Look at our own lives. You know, you know. actually, to be honest with you, we don't have a lot of things in the church to look at and idolize because, you know, very little of it's ours. <laughs> and sound systems, I don't idolize them. They're, they're kind of a pain in the neck. So, I mean, that's what we got. <laughs> you know, they're a necessity. But anyway, but you know, in our own personal lives, there might be things that we hang on to that we hold more dear than the Lord. Sometimes it's people. We have to be very careful not to put people before the Lord. Not to put people in a higher place than they, God would have them to be. We can love and honor and respect people, but we've got to be very careful that we don't worship them. Very careful of what we worship and the things that we put first in our lives. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. Lord, just help us to be able to hear from you. Lord, help us to be able to put our past behind us and not let that interfere with hearing what you're saying to us now. Our past may encourage us and it, it may be there to show us some things, but Lord, don't let it become a hindrance to hearing what you're saying to us now. Lord, help us not to put any system or method ahead of you. Lord, help us to hear what you're saying. Thank you, Lord, for your word that keeps us steady on a straight and narrow path. 
Lord, we just pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to be your church. Lord, help us to be what you want us to be. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that has a need for prayer, that you just encourage them to come up and let Tom and Pam pray with them up front when we dismiss. Lord, just help us to go forward looking to you and trusting you for all that you have for us. Lord, we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.